While you're grabbing Jen, I'll give you my passage real quick. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. But woe, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold, threefold, that means three or more, threefold, who says that? A threefold cord is not quickly broken. We want to recognize this morning Jennifer Hill. Come on up here, Jen. See, she's so dedicated, we can't even catch her. Listen, Jen is one of many pillars in this house. She's a team lead for the O Kids ministry, but she also does a whole lot of other stuff. She sets up the computer every week during the week. She, um, she's getting ready to transition into our new software. She does that. She also runs the computer during service on a rotation, and she makes sure all the kids ministry stuff is top-notch as well. And we are so thankful for you, Jen. You are long overdue for a recognition, and we just want to give you a shout of praise because you deserve it. We want to give you a shout of praise and a gift card. So you can go buy a new car with that. I mean, maybe something off Amazon. One more time for Jen. Give it up. Y'all can be seated on your way to your seats. Look to somebody, touch somebody, and just say, I'm glad you're here. It matters. I'm glad you're here. It matters. My subject this morning in this series. If you all new here, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. We're so thankful for y'all. But we've been doing this series called Relevant Relationships. How many have been here for the first two weeks? Woo! Woo! That means yes, where I come from. We're in week three. The first week we talked about, so, so what we did is we split up four weeks on relationships and Obviously, relationships can be complicated, so we can't give you everything there ever is to know, but we try to give you enough that you can grow. Because you know it's not about knowing everything, it's about growing. The, John said in the last verse of the Gospel of John, if everything was written that Jesus did, the books couldn't contain all the world. God wants to give you enough that you can grow in your spiritual walk and in your relationships and everything else. Enough to know to grow. That's what matters. Step by step, line upon line, precept upon precept. I don't need to know the whole Bible as long as I'm in my Bible trying to learn something because God will give me the increase. Line upon line, precept upon precept, more revelation will happen, but you have to start somewhere. So we did this first week called value, and value is what we do to people we care about. We invest in others. We increase their value because we find them valuable. The things we have value for, we put value in. And their value raises, and now they're investing in someone else and increasing their value. 
And in week two, we talked about integrity. That commitment says, I'll do the right thing no matter what. Where someone is present and when they're not looking, I'm going to do the right thing because I'm committed. I have integrity to everyone that I call a relationship. And that's friendships, that's spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, any type of relationship. Church, family, it doesn't matter. There's no rule to what kind of relationship that applies to. It's valuable in any of those situations. So my subject for week three, or my word, is companionship this week. And I don't know about y'all, but I was very narrow-minded when I think of some of these words. First of all, when I thought of a relationship series, I thought it could only apply to married people. But then I thought, I don't like that because we want to help people that aren't married. And we want to help people that just want to do good in life with the relationships they have and the ones they're going to produce later. So we, we, we broaden really the concepts because it's applicable everywhere. And companionship is one of those words that I think of my spouse. But it's not limited to that that only scenario. It's, it's, it's a companion. It's, it's people you long to be with are your companions. If you long to be with me, I'm your companion. And if I long to be with you, you're my companion. And together we have companionship. Amen? Amen. Preach it, brother. That's what I'm talking about. Y'all thought, oh, kids has no value yet. Just kidding. That's tomorrow's generation. And if they don't have the word in them today, they're not going to know nothing tomorrow. I remember a conversation in my, di- my I digress, that's what I do. It's the coffee, because she got me the Pete's coffee, and I tend to ramble because that's the strong stuff. And I remember a conversation with my dad years ago. He said, he said, are you reading? I said, no, I'm too busy, you know, trying to make dollar bills, y'all. But I didn't say that to him. I said, no, sorry, dad, I'm too tired. He says, someone's got to learn this stuff. The truth is dying with your generation." Someone's got to learn this stuff. And he was so right. And I never forgot it because you keep watering something down long enough. Eventually, all you got left is water. We need meat. So we believe in empowering the next generation and empowering people through God's grace and love, but giving them the gospel for what it was written. So that's a good thing. And why did I tell you all that? I don't even know. It's because the little man here is going to, he's going to be preaching next month. Little Michael. He's going to be doing a message on Gerber, Gerber and the devil, which is, no, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just, I really don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> but companionship, this guy is the cutest. That's why he's in every promotional photo. Sorry we didn't ask permission. Maybe we did. Because he's so good looking. He's just the cutest little, little guy. But companionship, when you do something in life, it's not fun alone when you can have someone you can share it with. And I just thought of a lot of the trips. We didn't take any trips married until probably six, seven years ago. 2014 is the first time we took a family trip. We've been married since 2007. We didn't take a trip for the longest time because we didn't have money and we didn't, we didn't just, we were just, we didn't do anything. We went to the lake. My parents had a place to lake. We'd go to the lake and that's, that's the way you do it. And so, so we finally took a family trip in 2014 to, to Florida and Waterscape Condos, by the way, the best pools in the Destin side. If you need a good pool, Waterscape Condos in the house. Anyway, so, so we take these trips and now we've been fortunate enough that me and Michelle have gone some really cool places without the kids. And the worst part of the trip is saying goodbye, especially when the wife's pregnant. Understandably so. Which kid was it? I don't know. Were you, it was probably with Kaylee. She was pregnant with one child, and we were leaving three next door to the Grammys behind. And, 
we, we thought it was over, man. It was tough. And I was, I was a crybaby too, like, because we were going further away. And you have this fear that, like, what if I don't come back? That's how I think. I'm really optimistic, as you can tell. And I, I pray over the plane, and I do all these things. But, the, but the, as soon as we're gone, we're over it. But Michelle can vouch for this too. It's that letting go of them in the transaction period, the transition period, that it hurts. And we start thinking, do we really want to go there? Oh, but it's so nice, and it's just got the best beaches and all the thing and the food. And then it's like, does it really matter without those I care about? After a couple times, it really becomes, okay, you quit losing the zeal for it being fresh and new again. And so we've always had this, and I don't know if it's me getting older, but now I get it even on the short trips, like to the lake or something. Now I get it if I'm just going to Target, Vincent. I get sad at my kids. What if they, when I'm going to Target, like I don't know if it's because I hit 40 now, my long for their companionship and the fear of losing it is stronger than when I was more fearless when I was in my early 30s. In my early 30s, I was like, it's fine, Michelle. Don't worry, it's all good. We'll be right back. And now I'm like sniffling too. Because I'm seeing the changes happen over time. I'm seeing my kids get older. I'm seeing relationships change. And I'm, I'm sacrificing one thing for another. So it's hard. And there's also been other situations where we've been gone from each other. And you don't realize how much you love somebody until you separate each other. And that companionship is what makes it special. And, and I keep looking over here because that's my wife at the computer. I'm not just staring at this person at the computer for no random reason because I'm a creeper. It's because it is my wife. So I look to her on instinct. It's a habit. You can clap for her. She's quiet as a mouse, but she, she gets it done. If I got to go like anywhere and she's not there and it's nice or my kids aren't there, especially if I'm alone, it sucks. What's the point? Did I say that? I shouldn't have said that. It's not fun. One time I went to this awesome work trip in Florida, and I've told about it in another sermon, and it was awesome. And you got a balcony and all these things, and I'm just thinking, what are my kids doing? Hey, guys. She's like, why are you calling again? I'm like, because really the joy is sharing this with someone. I long for companionship. And I didn't realize how valuable this was until you took away my companions. Trial and error. You learn it through practice. I can preach all about it, but till you can feel it, then you go, I get it. I get it. And I ask you this morning that if you look back on your life today and think about all the moments that brought you the most joy, what are those moments? Those key moments. When I mention joy, like, I mean, for real, like life-changing joy, something that gave you reason to get up in the morning and work hard to conquer the day. Joy that gave you hope no matter how bad the season you were in was. There's a joy that surpasses all pain. There's, there's motivation in, in true love that surpasses any situation. It's your glimpse of hope. No matter how dark it is and you don't want to get out of bed, you know I have that to lean on. It's relevant to have companions in your life. I'm not just talking about romantic ones, but rather any association that makes you better. The associations are to make you better. Those that lift and build you up give you hope when no one else believes in you and they forgive you when you don't even deserve it because they love you that much. They love you that much. And relevant relationships are based around keeping companions that make you better as a human being and that allow you to influence them also to be the best they can be. It's a two-way healthy companionship. Touch your neighbor, tell them companionship.
You were made to love others. We were made to be with each other in community and to love others. You weren't made to do it alone. You can't do it alone. Remember, it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. You need companions when you're at the bottom. And sometimes you don't know what the bottom feels like until you've hit your face on it. And then you go, I need something. I I heard of God, but now I think I need God. I mean, Jesus died for me, but now like, Jesus, where are you? I need you now. That's the difference. But it's not just Christ directly. It's through companions here on earth. It talks about being warm alone. It's not, it's not talking about in a weird way. It's just talking about, you know, like if you're stuck in an igloo and you're by yourself, they say if you're freezing to death in an igloo, you body up with somebody and your body heat raises the temperature. You can't do it alone. You need community to warm up. And they said, if you got three people, you can take on anything if it's in the name of the Lord. You can't do it alone. It's the synergy of the three working together. You are meant for fellowship. We were meant for fellowship. There's people who live in isolation. They're introverts. They're socially awkward. They avoid people at all costs. And I know because I used to be that way, believe it or not. Can you believe he was bashful? Me either. Because when I'd go to school, I didn't talk to anybody. My teachers would call and ask my mom, is he okay? He looks so sad at school. And she's saying, that Jeffrey? Him? Because she says when I'd come home, I'd drop my book bag like a, like a bomb going off and t- you know, t- go, on a, go on a whatever, a Tasmanian devil sprint through the house and raid the pantry and all this and ducktails were on, whatever you name. It was like a two different worlds. But to the outside world, I didn't want to mingle. And I have my own reasons. But when I look back, I see how much I could have benefited had I had stronger outside relationships. I tried for most of my adolescent life to be solo. I don't need them. And ironically, I work alone now. When I'm not here, I work in my cave, in my attic, because I do computer programming. It's cool. I actually really like it now. It's not because I'm fearful of people. But people try to do it alone too long, and it catches up with you because you can only preach to yourself so long. Sometimes you need a fresh pair of lungs and a fresh pair of thoughts to get you together because you're being dumb. You just, you just swimming in your own pity party sometimes. And that's what the devil loves. He loves to get you along, even though get you get you alone, even though he couldn't do this to Paul. He did it, he does it to everybody else. If he can get you alone and to wallow in your poor problems, oh man, he loves it. He loves it. God hates it. God says, You need me, and when you need me, you need each other because we're all one body. You took my place. I rose again. Now you go do the Great Commission. See, we took his place as the body, and as the body, we function. If y'all weren't here at church, this wouldn't feel the same. It's because we need each other to produce a, a message from the Lord that touches hearts. That's why we worship together. That's why we do setup together. That's why we pray together. We were meant for fellowship. It's in our DNA. It's in your DNA that you want friends. Even the people who act like they like being totally lonely, they're deceiving themselves because they really are saying, I want a friend. Will someone just talk to me? Amen. That's deep. Will someone just talk to me? I'm fearful of rejection, but I really want someone to come up and pat me on the back and give me a hug at that church. 
Can you believe they hugged me? They don't even know my name yet. They don't know my background. They don't know what I've done, and they loved me. Yeah, brother. Come on with yourself. That's why we're here, because you were made to love others. It makes you feel better, because you were made to do it. You weren't made to keep it all. You were made to give it. So that's why we long for companionship, because we want to give away love. We want to love people in different ways. Love is a broad thing. Some people cheat the system with their flings, you know. They even have flingy friendships. It's just like everything's fake. It's like they got so many friends that mean nothing. But who do they have that they can call on when they're in the pits of hell? Then, and then maybe they're sick and they want someone to pray. Like who do they have? And then they, they go, man, this, this is not good. I don't like this. Surface flings don't work. It's supposed to be built God's way with roots. If you keep changing your scenery every week, you're going to have no produce in your garden. And you were made to love others, not lust them. Lust is the devil's game. Love builds roots. Lust doesn't. Love is a drive through window for relationships. Love goes in and sits down at the table. Lust is a fast food way to a tummy ache because you ate that cheeseburger again because you get in the McDonald's again when you really needed just a nice filet mignon or something. I don't know. Post-fast thoughts coming out. <laughs> By the way, we did try this great Jamaican restaurant yesterday. They had jerk chicken. I was talking about it on day one of the fast. Day one, I was talking about it. So sad. So I had to wait 20 more days. And they had these things called um, beef patties. And they're like jamming, jamming Jamaican, whatever, jerk chicken around the corner at Highway K behind Arby's. If you want to go there, they have these things called beef patties. And it's like, it's like a croissant that's flat loaded with beef and it's got like jerk seasoning and it's like yeah man I'm down he's like you've been here before I'm like no but I've been to like the Caribbean and and they said something was jerked there and I'm, I'm I want it can I have it my kids are like I don't like this dad I'm like you need to expand your palate little four-year-old no they don't have mac and cheese act your age dad I'm almost five Right, right. So why aren't you liking the jerk chicken? You're saying it's too spicy? Toughen up. Dad. She's in tears. She's not. Actually, Kaylee, she eats some hot stuff. But my other ones, it's like mac and cheese and cheese, grilled cheese and cheese is their life uh, diet. And if it doesn't have cheese, it's no good, Dad. But we are meant for fellowship, and we are made to love others. And you are made to build these roots in your relationships. And, for example, when we have a snow day at church, some of y'all are like, thank you, God, I get to sleep in. And I'm like, no, because I miss my people. Because my week was rough, and I got to talk to a bunch of robots, and, and, you know, and X plus Z equals three, and all this computer junk. And now I want to talk to real people and have real fellowship, and I took me away. it got taken away by the weather. I miss it. Because I long to be with y'all. I long to be with Nate when he sees that I've changed a bunch of stuff on the trailer and he gives me that dirty look. I long for that. I long for it. I long when, when we find out that four people canceled and we're shorthanded and Michelle gives me that look like, what do we do? And I say, I don't know. You take care of it. And I skip away. <laughs> I'm not that. Uh, maybe at home. I wouldn't do that at church. That's not pastor-like. But the point is, we need that moment together. I hear people say, 
This just starts off my week the way I need it to. I've heard Bobby say, I long to be here because it gets me in, in that frame of mind I want to be in. And that's so awesome because that's what it's for. That's what it's supposed to do. So we don't want snow days. We want more days. Someday we'll have it. We'll be doing like a youth night, Wednesday nights. We'll do like a Friday night worship concert. We'll do like three services on Sunday. Nate's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> it's for the Lord, Nate. Come on. Remember when Paul was on house arrest, when he was writing to the church of Philippi, he had no one. That's what we think. He had none of us that we could text each other. They didn't have texting back then. If he wanted to talk to you, he had to send a, like a letter. It probably took a month to get somewhere. God knows if it landed in the right place. They didn't have tracking numbers. <sighs> How miserable of a life it must have been. He had Jesus. Jesus was his companion through it all. And some might call him crazy. We call him anointed because even in the sight of death, He's thankful to Christ because in his isolation, he still never forgets his companion and his companionship with his creator, Christ. And so no matter how down the barrel you get, how bad you get, when no one's answering the text and all the emails aren't coming in because work's not busy like it, sh it, it is and you think that people... Quit talking to you. Is life over? No, it's never over if you're breathing because you have Jesus to lift you back up. Well, that sounds good, but what does that mean? That means someone died on a cross for you and rose again, and he's alive, and he wants to see you glorified in the plan he has for your life. So when you think your life is no good, you just remember what he did for you. You apply personal name in this sentence. He did this for me. Nate, he did it for me. Kelly, when you make it personal, it'll increase the value. Remember we talked about intimacy? It's personal. The value goes up. When I realize what Christ did for me in a personal way, the value of knowing Jesus dramatically shifts. It's no longer an Easter visit. It's a lifestyle. It's no longer a holiday that I go to and have, have nice dinner afterwards that actually means something even more than that. It means, it means this is a way of life. This is how I'm going to live my life. So when there's no one else, just like Paul, remember... Jesus is always there to be your companion. But as far as group companionship, it matters because there's power in numbers. The scripture just said it. Though one may be overpowered, two can withstand him, the enemy, and threefold, three or more, the cord will not be quickly broken. When we're together, there's power in numbers. It matters. Our voice gets bigger. You're protected by those you surround yourself with. You're protected spiritually and you're protected physically. What do I mean by that? I mean, when you're weak and you make a bad decision, you need someone who knows the word around you to get you together in a loving way. Say, hey, that's not what we want to do here. Let me help you get back on the path to straight and narrow. You don't want someone to push you off the cliff for you because they don't know any different. You want people that hold you up, that lift you up when you're forgetting that when you're not thinking right, they are. And when they're not thinking right, you are. And it's together. It's a two-way street. And you also want people who protect you when you really need it. You want a physical protection. We not only pray for God to protect us, but God will use people to protect us. That's why you see churches with security. It's not because, because God's going to rain. He won't rain down a lightning bolt and strike the perpetrator dead. But people are used by God just like they were to write the Bible. And churches need security. God uses people in everything. So there's a physical 
aspect and a spiritual aspect to good, healthy companionship and the things it can do for you. And there's power in those numbers. You got my back, I got your back. We have each other backs when we're against the trial. Sometimes Michelle gets me together. Sometimes Chloe does. It's hard because as the dad, you feel like you're always supposed to be the voice of reason. The leader, you feel like you got to always have the solution, but sometimes you don't. And sometimes you need your wife to help me. See, it's a mutual thing. It's together is how it's done. It's in numbers. It's not one side only. When I'm weak, she is strong. When I am strong, she is weak, and, and we complement each other. And now my kids are doing it, which is sometimes okay. Sometimes it's like, hey, mind your business, little nine-year-old. I'm your dad. Chloe remembers every detail, and she's gotten me together in a good way because I didn't realize how forgetful I was getting certain things. So we need each other, and there's power in numbers. We believe in this assembly of God's house because it builds strength in numbers. Y'all don't even understand when we start drawing the attention of the community because the voice of this church is so loud, people are going to be listening different than they are right now. And we're going to look back. And remember when PJ was talking about that and everybody thought he was, just, he was just full of dreams and everything? And no, it's called vision and it's going to happen. And when our voice gets loud enough, people will listen different. We're not talking politics. We're talking Jesus. We're changing the view of Christianity in St. Charles County. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to change the way people see the truth, that they go back to the roots, that they go back to the fervent desire to be in a relationship with Christ. And there's power in numbers. There's power in numbers. You can't achieve the mission by yourself. It takes many working together as one unit, and we got a sermon coming up soon on the mission statement of the church, and it talks about the synergy. It talks about that. But numbers are built through relationships. Relationships are everything. Mechanics aren't. Relationships are what create growth. Mechanics don't. And you don't need to know every single person in the church to have a good life. You need a couple good people you can call on, and they can call on you. You're building a little clustered root of relationships, and we have them now. It's cool. And so when one is down, you, you check on your brother and vice versa, and you lift each other up. And those clusters come together and form the body, and now the voice is getting really big when we're together, assembling for God's purpose. Clusters of small, rooted relationships build massive movements for God. They, they tell you when you're goal planning, you don't just set a big goal and go after it. You get a big goal by hitting a bunch of small goals. You have to build a pathway to it. Otherwise, it's not achievable. And that's why people quit, because they burn out, because they don't know how to get to it. And so it's so exciting to see we're getting there. You know, everybody, I don't know about you, I have like two real people I call on outside of church that know everything about me. They're not blood-related. Does anybody else have like just one or two friends? Like, they know who to call when life is, like, yeah, and maybe you're together today. That's so cool. Does, does anybody, is it just me? I got a couple of hands. It's the people that know everything and your trust in them is so deep. You know that no matter what, you can tell them anything. They'll never leave you astray. They'll never abandon you because you weren't cool in that season. They are trustworthy and you're fully invested in them and they are your companion. That's what we want to build in the church is those clusters. And it, together it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow. But here's the best part. 
I know I've talked about companions and we want to be together and we, we're meant for fellowship. But here's what it really does is it makes you a giver. Oh, I don't like giving. You don't maybe know what giving really means then. Because giving is a way of life. It's an investment. And God gives as you, as you give away. I can tell you, I can tell you, it sounds counterproductive, counterproductive, but God will give you more as you give it away. If you keep holding on to it, you're going to stay the same. And maybe that's okay with you. That's okay. But when you want to grow, start giving in everything. Given your faithfulness financially, your tithes, it's biblical. Given, given your time, given, given your, your, your dedication to serving, given your time to come to church, given calling those who need a meal when they're sick, bring them a meal. Call, give, do whatever you can. The woman with the two mites was more valuable than the rich man. You understand why? It's not about how much. It's about how much heart. It's about the heart. It's a heart condition. So as you seek companions, you will naturally grow into being a giver. I know Jim, if I ever call Jim and say, Jim, can you help me with this? He'd be like, yeah, for sure, Pastor Jeff, because Jim's a giver. Jim gives. Bobby's the same way. Debbie's the same way. Jody, all, all of them, Dennis, everybody, everybody in here has giving hearts. That's why we're so special here. But when you're trying to build relationships, they want to see a giving heart. And everybody has that person. See, we are wired to give. God gave, so we give. God died, so we die on the cross with him. And we rise to new life and give away what's been given. And as, he, as we give it away, he supplies more. And all of a sudden, we're feeding masses with two loaves of bread and some fish. You got to give it away. You got to give it away. And your companions will multiply like never before. The best way to get rid of the healthy relationships, in case you don't want them, is to be a taker. I'm not saying you don't have to have a need once in a while. But when your lifestyle, I'm just being real with y'all, when all you do is take, 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 eventually you're sucking the life out of people because they've given everything they can. And so at some point, when you really need to be filled up, you quit taking from people and you start giving to people and God will fill your tank. That's how it works. And that doesn't mean we don't help each other. It doesn't mean none of that. But I'm saying when that becomes your way of thinking, your companions will dwindle. It's because it becomes uh, toxic to some degree because you can only take so long. It's a two-way relationship. And someone who takes from you and takes from you and never replenishes resources, eventually you're going to come up malnutritioned spiritually, emotionally, physically. It's a two-way companionship. Give it away and you'll receive more. Our actions are to mirror our heart. So we want to speak what is good, but do what is great. It's one thing if we speak the good word, but when we do the word and we show it with our actions, there's nothing that speaks louder than a heart for God that means what they say. The fulfillment comes through giving. Your companions will multiply through giving. And you are made to love others. And loving others means you're a giver. Love gives. Love gives of itself when it doesn't need to. Love dies on the cross when it doesn't owe you anything because love gives. Love doesn't take. Blessings are received. You can take blessings. That's good. 
give them away. For when you did them to the less of these, my brother, you've done it to me, says the king. When I walk by them and I don't help them and I claim the name of Jesus, I'm not giving what I've been given. So when I give it to them, it comes back to me. It's a circle. You were made to love others. You were made to have companions in each other and in Jesus Christ. And when no one else will listen, when you just don't have anybody else, you've got Christ. You've got Jesus. If y'all could stand with me. Sometimes you just don't feel like being nice to people. Sometimes you just don't want to talk to people. Sometimes what starts as a blessing can feel like a prison. It's up here. I don't do it on how I feel. I do it on what is right. I give, I love because Christ loved and no one can ever take away the love Christ gave me. So I have to, as a man of God, as a, as a sister of God, a man of God, a daughter of God, we have to give it away no matter what because we are shining an example that people are associating to who God is. And so they will measure up who God is by what they see in us. And that's not to create pressure. The pressure's on him. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you just do my will, I'll lift the weight. You don't have to feel the pressure of being a wholehearted, loving Christian because it's not about perfection. It's about authenticity. Your companions will grow. Your relationships will grow. Your bank account will grow. Your blessings will grow. Everything will grow when you give of yourself in a way that has no boundaries. It may take 10 years. Jesus was on this earth 33 and a half before he hung on the cross. It doesn't always happen overnight like we see it. And if it doesn't happen the way we think we should do it, the way it should be, don't abandon God's plan. Let it root. It matters. It's awesome. There's power in numbers. Look at this church. Look at the numbers. It's not about numbers. It's about power. God can move through y'all. God is moving through you all. We're multiplying the seed. It started as one seed. Jesus was the one seed that turned the world upside down. Jacob was called on by Isaac to turn the world upside down, anointed by God, and he turned into the Israelites because Israel, Jacob, became 12 tribes. He had 12 sons, and they multiplied, and then they multiplied, and then they multiplied, and then they multiplied, and then they multiplied, and And here we are, millions of seeds. Later, God is doing something something, but he has to do it through his people. So we believe it, we're doing it, and we're going to keep on believing it. This is week three. We got one more week, and we pray that your hearts have grown from this relationship series, that you see people in a different way, even the ones that irritate you. (laughs) We all got those, like the neighbor you shut the garage on when you see him. Just kidding. I just heard that once. I would never do it. Listen, y'all, when you go all out, even when they don't, God will bless you for it. Stay strong in the word. Don't drift from the word. Don't sell out for a quick high. Sustain the long, the endurance race. Christ gives me the endurance to run the race. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I'm going to get there. I'm going to get to the end of this marathon because Christ is giving me the endurance I need. Let's pray. And then we're going to worship. If y'all could bow your head with me. Close your eyes and 
If you can just lift one hand with me as we do this as a church body, no one's looking. God, we're reaching to you right now. We're reaching to you. We're believing for big things. We're expecting big things. We are not compromising your promise, God. We know that your faithfulness is audacious. It's bigger than we can imagine. It's what the world says is crazy, and we're going to get there. We believe there's power in your house, and we believe your word is life-giving, and it's going to pierce the hearts of people who have never heard it, and we believe it's going to keep multiplying because your word produces growth. Your word is a life. It's not a textbook. It's a power. It's the spirit of God impregnating people's hearts, and we are going to keep speaking it to give life but let us be a voice this week that can touch someone new that has never heard your word or that has been on the fence or that is confused and they just need to see genuine love that they can be drawn to you and you can give the increase, God. Keep your hand on this week. Keep your hand on us as we go through traffic, God. Keep us safe from accidents and danger. Let us, let us be protected by you, by your canopy of love in all situations. Let us be cognitive of our, of our situations and what's around us and help us be there for people who need us in the practical. We love you, God. We give you all the thanks, all the glory, and all the honor. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, amen.